1: Welcome into episode 148 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Bridget Pru, along with Scott McLaughlin. Brian DeFelice is still down in Florida. We were freezing our butts off at the Winter Classic today. Scott, first of Bri- all...
0: Brian's recovering from the hyena attack last uh. podcast. We should update the audience. Uh, he's going to pull through, but but unable to make it tonight.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, no. that sounded like a dangerous situation he was in um, at the end of the last podcast, but... So, Scott, we we get to cover the Winter Classic today. Kind of a crazy event. Um, it started out really slow, um, but, but I want to talk about a few things bef- before we get into that. Um, first of all, just being as the two of us have been there the whole weekend, like the whole atmosphere, just like what was your impression of everything?
0: I thought it was awesome. You know, it's. I feel like every time the winter classic comes around everyone talks about oh has it lost some of the luster you know does it still mean a lot and in the in the weeks leading up to it I kind of wanted those things like I can't say that you know 2 weeks ago I was super excited for it or anything like it's on the calendar it's like okay yeah like you know that's pretty cool we'll we'll get there when we get there and then so for us you know we kind of get our first taste of it saturday night there's a There was a media skate there after the Bruins Sabres game. So we're actually out on the ice. Um, It was rainy. The ice was crappy, but you're skating at Fenway. So, and then Sunday, the two practices, and obviously Monday, the game. And even, you know, getting there before the couple hours before the game and seeing everyone out on the street, it's like once you're actually there and into it, it's it's hard not to kind of get swept up in the moment and, and, just the vibes of it all because um because everyone else is excited. Like you can tell fans are excited for it. You can tell players are excited. Um, you can definitely tell it still means something to them. You know, after the game. Uh, you know, obviously so Bruins won two to one. They come from behind with two goals from Jake Debrusk in the third period. And Debrusque calls it probably the highlight of his life so far. Nick Felino says it's one of the best moments of his career and obviously he's had, you know, a long career with you know, admittedly not a ton of, like, winning on the big stage, but, um you know, a lot of success for him individually. And so, like, you hear that and it's, like, or, you know, Jim Montgomery, like, kind of marveling over all of it and whether it's his pregame press conferences or afterwards. And it's hard not to get swept up in all that. Like, even, you know, I'm a little little cynical by nature at times. Like, even for me, it's, like, Nah, you know what, like, yeah, it's like, you know what, like, maybe I I wasn't, like, super excited about this a couple weeks ago, but, like, okay, yeah, this is still really cool. Like, this is still, you know, it's it's still fun to be at and and to see how it all plays out, and I know it's not, you know, a great viewing experience, depending on where your seats are and all that stuff, but, and the ice isn't the best for the players, so the play's a little sloppier, but, um... For one game a year, I think you you can overlook all that stuff and kind of just just enjoy it.
1: I was thoroughly amused by like by pretty much everything. I don't know. I was just going about the weekend like everything amused me. Scott and I got to do the media skate. That was so cool. Just skating on Fenway, looking around. I was having a great time. Um, and then yesterday we got to go cover the practices, um, talk to both locker rooms, uh, and in the locker rooms. You just got the sense of excitement. Like everybody that I talked to, they were just they wanted to talk to you. Like they wanted to explain to you how excited they were. Yeah. Um. And I went over to Jeremy Swayman, and he was so excited to like to just talk about it. And at the time, we didn't know whether or not here Olmark was starting the game.
0: And but you know, but what's interesting is is he knew obviously. Like he already knew what the decision. He was. He knew. Yes, he knew. And yet he was still so he's excited. still excited. Yeah. He
1: was so excited. I started talking to him. He pulled out his helmet that had the Red Sox painted on it, unpromptedly. Just like, "Hey, look at this! Isn't this cool?" Like, I I was so excited to get this artwork done with um, David Ortiz, Ted Williams, and Curt Schilling, and he was just so pumped about it. And it was really nice. Both sides of the mask were came out really nice, but you just got that vibe from every single person. They weren't they weren't like tight, you know? Like they were loose. They were they were happy. Like it was. Yesterday was probably one of the easiest days as a reporter because everybody wanted to talk about it.
0: Yeah, and and I got the sense from the Penguins too, and they were a team that came in on a bit of a skid. I think they had lost four in a row, so now five in a row after the winter classic. But even in, in their locker room on Sunday, like the way they approached it was, Hey, like, this is a great chance for us to reset. You know, we've been looking forward to this, like now we're here. You they were like, you know, you can kinda of put some recent struggles behind behind them and, you know, obviously didn't work out on the score sheet. But you could tell like, they were excited for the whole process as well. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, it, it, my guess is it's probably going to be a while before the Bruins are in another one. But, you know what, we've thought that before and somehow they end up in one every couple of years. So, who knows, maybe like 2024 they're back in it. But, you know, you look at it. From like the league perspective, it's I feel like they're starting to find a good mix of the go to's, the major hockey markets where they know, you know, okay, this is gonna get eyeballs. And mixing in some other teams that, you know, haven't had the chance before. Like we've we've seen it in, in Minnesota, we've seen it in Dallas. Next year it's gonna be in Seattle, that got announced today, so um, you know, so you're going to get Seattle and Vegas who obviously neither of those teams have been involved, involved before, um,
1: getting the baby teams involved.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, like, so they'll go to Seattle. I'm probably a little bit of a ratings hit. I don't would guess that won't do as well as Bruins Penguins at Fenway Park, but then, you know, the next year they can go, go back East and get whoever involved again. And it's, um, it's nice that they're, that they they're kind of doing that, and you're starting to see more teams
1: involved. I will say, though, this, the fans in Seattle, like, for the Seahawks games, that it gets crazy. In oh, there. the like, fans? The, fan, the, fan the Seattle thing.
0: fans are going to be crazy. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I don't know if the national TV the radio, audience yeah. is going to be as big.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't get a chance to see it on TV, um, or li- I guess listen to the broadcast on TV because we were there, but um, I, I was told that there was some, you know, audio issues with, like, I think Sweet Caroline and like um, just the the music part of it was it sounded good at the stadium, but there was some like complications, I guess, on TV with it. And it was nice having the Boston Pops there. Like, I prefer that over a DJ. It was nice. It was like background noise, but it was also like, oh, this is much better than like some stupid EDM song.
0: Yeah, like, I, I almost wished the Pops were playing, like, every commercial break or stop. Like, I, I get that, you know, that's not really what they do, and that's probably unrealistic, but it was like, you'd get, you know, your usual set list and stuff in between, and then, like, the you'd hear the Pops, and it was like, oh, yeah, all right, like, cool. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was a nice touch. Um, thought the Black Keys sounded good. Belle Biv DeVoe doing the national anthem was pretty cool. Uh, they did a good job. So, like, all, all that stuff, seeing Bobby Orr and Johnny Busick and Zdeno Chára out pregame for the uh, puck pitch with uh, Jason Veritek and Tim Wakefield. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know about the whole puck pitch idea, but, the- but just having them out there was, was nice.
1: And then uh, Tan Anjali sung, Take Me Out to the Hockey Game. Yeah. Um, there was some crossovers that I was like, this feels like forcing it. <laughs> but you know what? Some people were into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so we can start to transition to the game, but, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, Bruins in particular got – both teams kind of got off to a little bit of a slow start. It, you, play was a little sloppy um, and not much offense going on early. And you tell, like, at times the crowd seemed a little out of it, a little quiet because there just wasn't a lot going on to, to cheer for their, you know, never mind goals, they're weren't even a ton of great scoring chances. There weren't any fights or big, you know, a couple good hits, but like nothing earth shattering. Um so at times, you know, you felt like the crowd was kind of fading out of it a little bit. It's also much harder for noise for noise to carry in, in a big stadium like that than it is at the garden. Um, but then the third period, Bruins wake up, they're down one nothing, and um Start calling back. I, I thought really I felt like it started defensively where they kinda just completely shut the Penguins down. I think the Penguins had thirteen total shots the final two periods and like very few high danger chances after they went up one nothing. And Bruins finally started to claw back and get you know, just kinda a power move from Jake Debrusque to to tie it where first he takes takes a Matt Grizzlick slapper off the foot or ankle or whatever and looks hobbled, and you're like, oh, crap, like he's probably hurt. But he you know, kind of shakes it off. A few seconds later, Marchand finds him net side, and he tucks it in, and then he ends up getting the winner as well. On a nice drive to the net by Taylor Hall, really doing all the, the hard work on that one. Um, and the puck kind of pops out right to DeBrusque, and he buries it. And, you know, really from the time DeBrusque tied it, obviously through the, the final whistle, the crowd was great. Like, you could tell, like, okay, now – now they're up. Like, now they're they're into it and, and bringing the noise to close this one out.
1: Yeah, and, and that first Jake Debresco came at the end of a power play. Like, I, the, I forget who was in the box, but he was, like, halfway into the zone. Like, he wasn't fully in there, and I think DeBrusque knew that, you know, it had just expired. Maybe get one last chance on this shift, try the around. see if you can sneak it in, and he gets a five-hole on to Smith, which, by the way, kind of a weird situation early in the game – um, Tristan Jari was the starting goalie for the game and he left the game with a lower body injury 50, about 15 minutes in. So they have to make a goalie change mid first period. And, you know, like all weekend they're preparing for Jari to be the guy in net. Um, and so Desmith comes in and it's, it's just a, a little bit different for them, how they, how they prepare. And then after the game, um, Mike Sullivan said he didn't have an update on Jari, um, but it, besides the fact that it was a lower body injury.
0: Yeah, and they, they ruled Jerry out between the first and second period officially. So had anything happened to to Smith, you would have had an e situation, emergency backup goal uh, And for that's, the what Classic, Scott, which...
1: that's what Scott roots for by well, the way I don't, would be, I don't that would be history. I don't root for, for injuries. No, but you like but a good e I do like e um, I mean, who
0: doesn't? It's like it's just it's a crazy thing that like can't possibly happen in any other sport there's no just
1: like hey we need another quarterback let's get this guy from the first <laughs> right. row.
0: Like you know in baseball it's like the closest thing would be baseball where you get position players pitching. But even that it's like they're at least still professionals. Like they they're on the team.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're not they're not 45 years old and yeah. a Zamboni driver, but that would be that would have made history.
0: Yeah, but it so would have
1: I... made there was a point in the game where I would have been all for that because it was really boring. Like the beginning of the game was like is very slow. And you know what? Throw that in there. Energy's up immediately. Yeah.
0: I mean, the way the Bruins were playing through two periods, they may not have uh, tested the e bug all that much, anyways, because yeah. they really were not generating anything offensively for for two periods.
1: Yeah, and then and then the Jake DeBrus goal happens, and then you feel like the crowd was the crowd was there. Um, they w- they wanted a reason to cheer throughout the like the beginning parts of the game. But they just didn't have much to cheer for. They were like the, the chances were few and far between. The one good chance before that was Debrusque's shot off the post. That was, you know, the closest it came to a goal before that. And he just had such a strong sixty minutes. Um I I think I said to one of the other Bruins reporters in the first period, like, Debrusk looks good. Like he looks solid first period almost like he had two really good scoring chances yeah. and then he ends up um I wasn't surprised at all when it was him that tied tied things up and then just even better for him to get the game winner there at the end with two and a half minutes left i think and um he he brought you know a bunch of energy to that stadium and it's kind of funny because we've talked about this before last year at the garden he was getting booed by by Bruin's fans yeah after the the Trade request was um, made public, and now the exact opposite. Thousands of people just cheering for him. Um, p- people have come full circle on what they think of DeBrus since that moment, um, and the perception is changing. And uh, back when you know that was going on last year, I think it was last November, yeah. um, people were saying, oh, he gave up. He gave up on the team. But now you look at him and you're like, he gave – so much more effort to dig himself out of that hole that you can't you can't say that about him.
0: No, and today was another good example of him getting moved, quote, fingers down in the lineup because Jim Montgomery had to do something between the second and third period to try to jumpstart the offense, and the move he went to was Pasternak up to the top line with Bergeron and Martian, and DeBruska ends up on the second line with, It was mostly Krejci and Hall. I think Zaka might have also gotten a couple shifts there. But it was mostly Hall, Krejci, DeBrusque. And, you know, I've made this point before, but last year, the year before, like, that's the kind of thing where I could see DeBrusque taking that as a demotion and not responding well. And this year, it's like he gets down, he gets to that second line, and he's the one bringing energy and, like, driving that line. Now, the first goal comes right after the power play so he's with all the power play guys which makes it by the way the odd 5 on 5 goal where you have four forwards on the ice little you know one of those fun hockey quirk things um but then the second one is with it's with Craigine Hall so uh yeah it's he's Jim Montgomery said this after the game it's like he's not just complimenting guys that he's playing with he's kind of bringing the energy and, like, sparking whoever he plays with. And, you know, Montgomery makes that move. And you're thinking primarily you want to get that top line going. Like, now you've got your three best forwards on the top line. And, hey, if we're not getting anything from any of our lines, at least try that and get one line going. But the way DeBrusque pl- has been playing and the way the way that he played today, he gets that second line going too. So, like, it works both ways. And that's – not something I'm sure he could have done a year ago or, or two years ago, but he can now.
1: Yeah, his his mindset has pretty much come. It's either changed or maybe gotten back to the way it used to be for him. Um, but I think he's definitely matured uh, beyond what we've seen from him before. And and there's no way he can look at at the, like that as a demotion. You're giving up your spot to Pasternak. <laughs> like it's yeah. and and by the way you know as well as anyone else on the team that there needs to be a spark and you got to get it from somewhere. So um, I wasn't surprised when they shuffled it that way to try to go back to perfection line for a little bit. Um, And you know what? They've been doing it all season. When it needs to be done they move um, guys around and they know how to play with each other and it doesn't seem to throw them off. In fact it works to to give a spark at the Winter Classic um, and they end up taking the win out of it and I wanted to Mentioned this quote from Montgomery about DeBrusque after the game, um, because he was asked, like, you know, what are what are you most surprised about? Like, when you got here, and or what are what would people be surprised about? And he said, um, DeBrusque is a lot tougher than people think, and he's a lot more committed than people are aware. So that's pretty much acknowledging the fact that the fan base was calling him a certain, like, saw him a certain way, and that he's actually like people are backing him up and saying, like, no, he's very committed. Like, you you guys only saw some of it. Like, behind closed doors, we knew this was the player he could be.
0: Yeah, and I think – I feel like everyone around the Bruins has always felt like this is the player Dabruss can be. It's just been a matter of how do you get him there? How does he get there? And, you know, it's – what kind of bothers me a little bit is, like, when people – oversimplified and just, like, oh, well, Cassidy was too hard on him and now Montgomery's better for him, so that's it. it's, like, well, no, like, let's make sure, like, DeBruska's held accountable as well. Like, some of the problems he's had in the past were his fault. Like, it wasn't just Bruce Cassidy was mean to him. Like, a lot of it was, at times, his effort being inconsistent, you know, him not being committed defensively at times. Um but really, the like consistency was the big thing, and it's like, all right, even if the coaches mean to you, like, you can bring that, like, you know, that's Bruce Cassidy isn't stopping you from being a consistent player who brings the effort every shift. So, it's it's oversimplistic just to say like it was the coaching change. Obviously, that was a big help to him, but you know, to, to what I you think were saying it was just earlier, like, a like fresh it's, start and it's, yeah, a good it's place also to start it's, mentally. It's debrusque took it upon himself to. To start playing like this and to be more committed and, you know, to kind of – to understand, like, okay, this is where I am, this is where I want to be, and this is how I'm going to stay there. And, you know, that that confidence starts to build. Like once you start doing that consistently and you realize, okay, I am consistently playing in the top six and producing, it makes it easier to start bringing that effort all the time and bringing that consistency and – you know, and it all just kind of adds up for him. Whereas in the past, it was, it was almost like one thing would go wrong, and then everything would fall apart. It's like, okay, so he's not great in his own zone, but then he would like let that affect his offensive game. And next thing you know, it's like nothing's going right, and that, you know, a lot of young players deal with that. But he, yeah, at times it probably took longer for him to kind of get around that curve than some people wanted.
1: Um. also when you're like looking like when you feel like you're on the outside looking in and you're like I want that spot but I don't have it and you feel like you're like he was getting healthy scratched and he was playing on the third line and at times on the fourth line last season and then it's it's much easier to have that role and like hold on to it and want to like hold on to it and not feel like you know this like I worked my butt off I have this locked in and, and like just continue to do that but sometimes when you're on the outside looking in you can Get down um and it felt like he was down last season and absolutely always in such a good mood this year um when we talked to him and bergeron did also comment about this after the game because it was, it was a big topic of conversation um after the winter classic because a lot of media members came in from outside of boston so we're getting some questions that like We know people have answered before about, about DeBrusque, but, you know, being asked by national people, Pittsburgh people, what have you. So we're getting, you know, some, some of those answers again. And Bergeron just said that he worked on everything he needed to work on. And he really, he really put the effort in, in the off season and throughout the year to, I almost feel like, and this is how I am. If I get yelled at by like a boss, like I will, and and they tell me I did something wrong. I want to like. Do it super well to just spite them. Like I feel like he's like spiting like Cassidy or whomever he was mad at. Like he's like, I told you so. And and sometimes that's what you work for. You're like motivated by the like, I'll show them.
0: Yes, I and think I, th- the, th- the th- boss
1: is not you. I'm not talking about you. Scott's well, a very no, I, I, nice person.
0: I yell at Bridget a lot.
1: No, yeah, and yeah. I'm like,
0: <laughs> I'll show you, Scott. Um, I think I think Dobrusk there now. I think at times in the past it's probably gone the other way where he gets yelled at and he was and he would be the employee that would then kind of sulk and mope around and not really be motivated to prove people wrong and instead kind of just get down on himself